Welcome back, everybody, to the Thrivistry Podcast, Mastering the Art of Thriving at Life, where we talk about creating change in our lives and in the world around us. This is your host, JJ. This is my co-host, Gigi. Say hi, Gigi. Hi. And Gigi's voice is a little, little shaky today. She's had, she's had a ton of fun uh, over the last week um, doing, going to cabins and pool parties and stuff. So if, she sound, if her voice sounds a little, little scratchy, that's because that's she was um, having so much fun. But uh, welcome to the season one finale. So I wish I had like fireworks shooting off or like a, like you know those party things, yeah, you know. <laughs> but this is episode twenty of the podcast. Hopefully, you guys have been been tuning in and following along with us. If you guys are uh, uh, joining us now, you can always go back and catch all those other podcasts. And I do recommend you 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 take take advantage of that because they um, because we're going to talk about some of the stuff that we that we went over, some of our favorite points. Um, but we're going to be doing something different in uh, season two, so you're going to hear some of the some of the uh, the sneak preview stuff of that, and some and then uh, but the big announcements you'll have to wait until season two. But uh, um, um, Gigi, what what are your thoughts about the podcast up till now? Um, well, I'm glad that we did it. I know that this was something that I was <laughs> I was trying to talk you into doing for a really long time. Um, JJ and I are great friends, and we spend many hours on the phone debating things in the fitness industry and I kept saying like you know he really kind of dragged his feet on doing this podcast and every time we would have one of our like epic conversations for hours about whatever it was the latest fitness trend I'd just be like see there's a podcast right there like that's another missed opportunity <laughs> yeah. um, and actually we were able to kind of capture that which I thought was really cool um, and I know that there was at least one occasion that I could think of where a discussion that you and I had had just on the phone, we'd say, we were like, okay, let's just, let's just stop here and we'll bring it. And this is what we'll talk about next week on the podcast. So, so that was really cool. I think that there's a lot of, um, there's a wealth of knowledge from the two of us that, uh, if we're just talking to each other, it doesn't really get out there, you know? Yeah. And it, it's not just us, it's stuff. Cause you and I like love to read and we consume a lot of material and, and, you know, I can only distribute it so much through my articles and my writing. And so I, I really like, being able to, you know, distill that information down and bring it to you guys so you can actually have action items and things to do. Um, so that's, you know, the season one has always been kind of the, the theme of, you know, we're going to take some sort of way of changing life, uh, creating change in our lives um, in actionable items. And then of course, analyzing some of the stuff that we're reading and some of the stuff that we're seeing uh, um, come out from the media or from research. And so that was our, and, and so I, I, that's what I really liked about it. So I'm on the same page. Yeah, so it's been awesome. Um, so, I mean, as far as favorite episodes go, the the one that I use the most in my day-to-day -day life um, in terms of, like, what I use for clients, so the one that I'm like, oh, you need to go listen to this podcast, listen to this podcast, is the one where we talked about the OODA loop. So, orient, ob observe, observe, orient, decide, act. Um, and going through that process with my clients, whether they be in the business development world or um, the fitness world, whether they're like actual like personal training clients or whatever, um, it really helps to get people to kind of stop and take a breath. And and it was such a great tool because remember, and if you listen, if you go back and you listen to that podcast, you'll hear me say halfway through like I think like this. This is how I do things. Um, and but I never had a tool. Right. And I never had that, like that actual thing where I could say, but wait a second, where are you, where are you right now? And where do you want to be? And how does this next action that you're thinking about jumping into, how does that help you? Like, do we know how hard you're going to need to work or how much time or how much money you need to invest in it? And like, you know, um, so that, that's the one that I use the most. That was fifth Thrivistry um, podcast 15. There you go. Yeah. The OODA loop and how people around us affect our behavior. Oh, that was a good discussion too about like making sure that you're, well, I won't spoil it. You have to go back and listen to it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that's definitely the one that I'm like, go and listen to this, learn how to make decisions um, because otherwise you're just reacting to everything, right? And you can't live your life reactively and expect to have any kind of uh, momentum like any of your own choice right you can certainly live your life reactionary all you want but then you'll never end up in a direction that you want to live it in because you'll only ever be reacting to outside forces instead of like having your own compass um so i really like that one 
The one that I had the most fun on was the one where you couldn't say any of the words. I don't remember which one that one was. I think that was the one with the flowers. (laughs) It was the one with the flowers where we talked about the benefits of having fresh cut flowers in your home. Um, And so that was a really good one too. I really enjoyed that one. But the one that I thought had like the most poignant piece. And if you're, if you're new to the fitness industry or if you're new to working out or if you're new to following this podcast that I would start with that really like um, kind of what this podcast is all about and how to, it's like almost like a, I don't want to say life hack because that's so cliche to say that, but almost a hack. Um, is the one where we talked about lifestyle lifestyle and then you came up with a really cool graphic for that too um principles principles lifestyle uh, yeah we did that that was the last two episodes so eight, uh, 18 and 19 were the principles or identity principles and, and decision fatigue um yeah and i love that one because again like i like i'm a single mom and so i see my i'm always on default like I'm consistently running on default unless I specifically I'm like this activity, I've got a new child work. That's when I have to like, like turn on and be actively involved in, but I can't be actively involved mentally in every single thing day to day. Cause I would just lose my mind. Um, so that, that process that you did such a great job of, of designing and, and uh, illustrating in the graphic, which we're going to go through all the graphics later on this show. Um, I love that one. That one was really good. I thought that was awesome. Cool. How about you? Yeah. Um, uh, my favorite part is when the, the when the internet connection stable and you're coming through well because some of that was a little, slur- a little slurred. <laughs> but uh, um, uh, hopefully you guys understood everything she said. I, I understood it. But uh, yeah, my, my favorite ones have, have always been the, the the habit ones where I'm explaining you know these little changes that you can do. Um, to, to, or little tools and tricks that you can do to change, change your habits and your behavior. Um, but the, uh, but then I found myself, it's funny because I, when I did this podcast, I didn't really want to get into a lot of the programming stuff, you know, I, but I, but I forget how much, um, how much goes into the programming because I do it every day and, and I, and I don't, under, I don't necessarily believe that everyone's going to geek out on it like I do. And so, so I didn't think that that would be a, a good thing to talk about, but then I realized, you know what, I can, I, you know, if I do a good job in, in explaining it. Um, it's great because I can refer back to it, and you guys as coaches can even can even share it with members who are curious or want want more information about sort of the the planning and all the back end stuff and, and the why we do the things the way we do. And so that's why what we're that's why in season two we're going to focus a little bit more on the programming and uh, and we're going to break out different pieces of the class experience and different and different parts of you know why I program the way I do and, and how I came, how I came up with that. And so. Um, so that ended up being some of my favorite ones. So, you know, for, for this season was actually where I got to talk about the strengths focus and I got to talk about, um, you know, why it's so important that we do, that we do those things. And the other thing I like doing is I like having these neat graphics as much work as it is, um, to create these. Um, I do like having a cool little visual, um, to kind of get my thoughts across, right? I think it just helps, it just helps, um, explain, you know, people understand what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to get across. So on that note, let's do the lightning round of a bunch of graphics that I've used on the podcast. And I think there's a few mixed in here that we haven't talked about. So we may see these in season two. But uh, um, um, and then actually after that, for you guys waiting, waiting along, this is my 15th year, year anniversary of doing CrossFit. So 15 years ago in July of 2004 was my very first uh, experience doing CrossFit workouts. And I've pretty much been doing it ever since. Um, a couple times I might have had three or four weeks off for different reasons, but uh, I've always come back to it. And, and, um, and I wanted to talk about that and, and, uh, um, and, and, and I'm going to write an article, but I'm also wanted to pr- do the preview. <laughs> this is purely for, this is purely for more views on, uh, on YouTube, right? So for you guys listening, I just showed my apps. Um, <laughs> 50, uh, what's, what's fascinating about that is, is, uh, um, um, I don't want to talk, we'll talk about it after the graphics, but, but, uh, I started CrossFit when I was 24 and I'm turning 40 this year. So now you think about, you know, all the, the people who are afraid of CrossFit or say it's dangerous or whatever. Um, I want to talk about some of, some of the experiences I've had and what I've learned over that journey. And then it's going to be this, uh, this article. But uh, let's jump over to the, uh, all, the, all the neat graphics that we've, that we've used. So for you guys listening in, we'll, we'll, um, 
we will uh, uh, we'll talk we'll talk about them as we go. Um, and so, so you guys aren't, aren't totally tuned out. The first one here is, is generalized movement quality um, over time in intense circuit training. And so, so it's basically just a, a real simple graph of a, of a curve that starts high on the left and it goes down. The, on the left, it has higher quality movement, good quality movement, and then down at the bottom is danger zone, and then it's over time. And this was an early graphic that I used uh, um, that I use to try to explain to people that, you know, when, when, with, when you're doing workouts, especially ones that don't have scheduled rests in them and it's, you know, a 20 minute Metcon, the, the, the quality of movement decreases as you fatigue. That's the difference between skill practice or skill, you know, skill acquisition and conditioning is as we, as we, the, the longer you go into conditioning, um, the movement quality tends to go down. Now you can slow down, um, significantly and keep moving, you know, with perfect form, but then you lose the intensity. And so it's this balancing act. And this is one of the reasons why um, we do so many workouts in that, you know, in that, you know, five to, to 15 minute range is, is, is really common for us because once you start getting past 15 minutes, um, you're, you're, you're getting less of a return on your investment because yeah, you're, you're still conditioning your body, but you're also performing the movements um, with, with not as good form, which is bad for, for long-term um, technique development, it also puts you at more risk for injuries or tweaks. And so, and so, you know, there, it's, it's okay. It's good to do workouts over, you know, 15, 20, even 30 minutes, but we want to make sure we mix in some rests and we want to make sure that it's intelligent workout design. Um, is, oh, how much on the next set? I don't know if we ever talked about this too. You know, when you're doing the, the max effort style where you adjust the load each, each set, you know, if, if the set felt good, you want to go up in, in weight. If, if it felt okay, maybe it wasn't perfect or it was really hard, you might stay the same weight. Or if your set was really heavy, um, then, or, or you couldn't finish the whole, all the reps prescribed, you would go down in weight. And so I created a graphic for that. Um, oh, and fast versus best. <clears throat> this is re re revolving around the, um, the uh, uh, scaling guide that we do. So, so one of the things that makes uh, Thrivestry unique is that we don't just tell you to do the workout or give you a time cap. We actually tell tell people specifically um, how you know in in a in a time frame how many how long it should take to do each round and how long it should take to do the entire workout so they can scale properly. And so the idea is that you're always you're always adjusting and tweaking the workout. <coughs> Excuse me. So that. You're, you're, uh, if you make it too easy, then you're, you're going to go too fast and you're not going to get the right stimulus. If you make it too hard, you're going to slow way down or risk injury and you're not going to get the right stimulus. Um, so, so how do you balance that out? And it's the idea is you keep, you increase the movement difficulty, um, whether that's load or, or how advanced the movement is or the number of reps so that, so, so, and you, and and you may uh, uh, make things easier. Um, you know, sometimes you might scale the workout down so that again, you end up right in the middle of the scaling guide. So you don't do too many, go too fast or do too many rounds or you go too long and not enough. Um, testing maxes all of the time or banking gains for later. <clears throat> this is, this is really a, 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 a graphic around, hang on a second. All right, back to the sharing of the graph. All right, so, so the idea is, is that people will sometimes max out, like do their true one rep max, um, just in a regular class. And, and that's not necessarily, uh, when we're, especially when we're talking about heaviest loads, um, not necessarily, you know, a max, a max set of pull-ups, unless you're doing, you know, more than 30 or 40, probably isn't going to affect your training too much. But, but, uh, but testing out your one rep max deadlift or back squat can really affect your, your ability to, uh, uh, the for days after maybe even a week after and kind of puts you in a danger zone and so this graphic kind of shows that and you know it's 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 okay to 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 set a new personal record for your back squat and and you know maybe you do 10 pounds more than your your lifetime max and you know you could do more but you stop and you bank the gains for later you say you know what I set a new PR I'm happy that way you're back to baseline sooner and you can continue with your training instead of being at a risk for injury and maybe you having to take days off because you really tested yourself and it's okay to test yourself, but you just want to save those for maybe competitions or just a couple times per year. There was the Thrivestry program map, which shows this, these, these bubbles, these dots, um, kind of where all the different uh, Thrivestry programs lie. And I think we talked about this with, in, in the, uh, with Anne when she was talking about the uh, Spark program 
and the Propel program and, and uh, how all these programs overlap and are integrated. And this is something that I see a lot of, uh, a lot of gyms will start putting in extra classes, which I think is great because it gives people more options. But the problem is, is, is either you have to, a lot of times if they're completely separate programs, people can't go back and forth. And I really think it's great when people can customize their experience because if the programs are integrated, then they can, they can go to regular, you know, CrossFit class or what I call the mastery program. And then, it, then once a week they can do spark or it's easy for them uh, uh, to transfer to competition programming because they're still doing some of the same things as the classes. So the competitors can still come to class once or twice a week, which I think is really important. Um, and instead of having all these separate, you know, almost like separate gyms in the same gym, and it creates that kind of clickiness and that division that, um, that can cause problems. And I think most of you guys know, um, isn't ideal, right? We want to keep, we want to keep people integrated as much as we can. Do we ever talk about the context in the podcast? I don't, I, um, I, there's some of these that I don't remember at all. So I think you did them with Anne or maybe just when I wasn't here, but we definitely, I did not talk about context over you. Yeah. So again, another kind of unique Thrivestry programming thing is that, is that I actually tell people <clears throat> how you should approach the training that day. And, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, there's a lot of people, uh, a lot of programs where it's just, here's the workout and they may say in the, in their, in the programming that day, they may say, this isn't a, you know, don't, don't record anything today or don't go as hard. Um, well, I do that every single day. So it's either a practice context, a competition context, or a mental toughness context. And so the, this is a pie chart and the practice context text is scheduled 60% of the time. The competition is about 30% of the time and mental toughness is 10% of the time. So about six out of 10 workouts are practice, three out of 10 are competition and one out of 10 is mental toughness. And, you know, it's, it's just kind of understanding that like practice, you know, our output is only going to be in that 80 to 95% range. We're really not going all out like we do uh, in competition. Competition is always, you know, as long as you're feeling good that day and, and, and everything, we want you to push hard. We want you to create a result that you can record so you can compare back to it later. And then mental toughness might be over 100%. You might go test your limits, but it also might be getting out of your comfort zone and saying, you know what, I'm going to um, make sure, you know, today's you know, I'll write in there today, you got to make sure every rep is perfect, you know, so you actually have to slow down and put your ego in check. So it's another way of testing mental toughness. Um, we did talk about this. This is the six week strength focus chart where I show that the, um, how, how the, the Metcon uh, volume and duration is high in the first two weeks of our six week strength focus because we're lifting lighter. You know, when we start a new strength focus, we have a little bit less lifting and, uh, we end up, uh, uh, doing, doing, because we're doing less lifting and we need a little bit of a deload from finishing the last cycle. Um, I tend to, we, we schedule more longer Metcons, a little bit more volume in those first two weeks. And then in the middle two weeks, it's a balance between lifting and strength. And then in the last, uh, uh last two weeks, it's more, there's, there's a, a more strength because now we're lifting on that strength lift. We're lifting in that kind of 90% range for reps. And so, and so I dial back the Metcon for a couple of weeks. Not, not that we're still going to be doing, you know, 15, 20 minute Metcons on days that we're not lifting, but, but uh, there's just going to be uh, less of those and, and less total Metcon. And so the, the strength intensity goes up over the six weeks and then the, the Metcon volume goes down. And where this is really important to point out to people is that people who really like the long Metcons, they know, they need to know that if, if they're feeling kind of, you know, frustrated or whatever, because we've been doing a lot more lifting, and really when I say a lot more in the beginning, in the weeks one and two, we'll do, you know, two or three lifts in a week. And then on weeks five and six, we might do three or four, you know, so it's not like they're not huge. And remember, people aren't coming seven days a week. So most people in weeks one and two are going to get one to two lifts in, in, in their training until coming three or four days a week. And then um, uh, on weeks five and six, they're going to get more like uh, um, two to three lifts done in the week. Um, but, but, you know, sometimes they may say, Hey, you know, all we're, I feel like all we're doing is lifting. And I want to do long Metcons. You say, don't worry in a week or two, we'll, we'll be doing longer Metcons. And you get the same people on the opposite end of the bell curve who just want to lift more. And then they get frustrated in week one and two because <laughs> of all the Metcon. And then you say, don't worry in a week or two, we'll be doing a lot more lifting and less Metcon. And then, uh, we, we also talked about this, which was our constantly varied sort of, uh, strength training where, where the lifts are constantly rotating which is a more traditional CrossFit style um, versus the dedicated cycle. And, you know, the reason why uh, CrossFit, uh, you know, went into this sort of lifting uh, more randomly, seemingly randomly, more, ro more just rotating through the lifts, um, um, not doing any lifts consistently week to week 
um, was because you have you have uh, new people coming in constantly coming into classes and if they if they're if you're constantly in some sort of cycle they're not going to get the best benefit you also have people coming different days of the week and you can't have a dedicated uh, cycle if people are missing some of those days the the cycles don't work they're 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 too sensitive to that sort of thing so so that's why they they did the constantly varied um but it there's also benefits to the to the dedicated cycle too you know it's easier to coach um it's it's really important for advanced people to have that consistency so they can make gains otherwise they start to plateau you know and, and there's a little bit faster adaptation when we when we when we train our bodies by doing uh, the same movement you know once or twice a week for six weeks the body adapts to that stimulus better um, and so I've combined those two and I kind of just, you know, came up with the, the sweet spot where we're going to do, you know, people, I'll schedule it twice a week. So people are going to get it once or twice a week, um, of the strength focus and the, the, the progressions are created so that people are always making gains. And if they miss a session or two, it doesn't upset the, the benefits, right? At the same time it's six weeks. And so that we're also, and we're also doing other lifts mixed in so they don't get as bored. Right, so that's the other problem with dedicated cycles. And so this graphic shows the strengths and the weaknesses of both the constantly varied and dedicated cycle, and then it shows kind of the sweet spot that we came. Okay, with it. how many more graphics are left? I don't know. Three or four. <laughs> um, well, now we're getting to the good ones. We're getting to the good no, ones. I was, just, I was just saying that we totally didn't do this in like a lightning round. We're just going through all of them, and then I was thinking maybe I'll time you. I'll give you like a minute. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is good. Um, so here's one of JG's favorite favorite graphics, which is the uh, um, the the Venn diagram of strength, cardio, skill, and play. And and uh, the four things I sort of chose, and you can you could pick four different things, um, or you could get more granular with it. Um, but then the Venn diagram would be um, almost unreadable. So these are four that I find are really important um, that we want to balance: the strength training, the skill training, the play, playing, and cardio. Um, all together and we, we put thrivistry in the middle and and the way I look at it is is and if you use these four sort of uh, um, Categories you can look at almost anything in life that you're gonna do physically and they'll kind of fall somewhere on this this chart You know cardio is is running or spin class and skill is golf and yoga You know those are pure, pure more pure, but then you start overlapping and you might say, you know, What's a um, what's strength and skill? Well, it's Olympic weightlifting or strongman. You know, there's it's it's in yeah, strength can be carved into you know um, you know raw raw strength, which is powerlifting, um, but it, you know, but there's also explosive strength and you know speed strength and all these other things. But uh, but in just calling strength as its own thing in general, and so you know, this is one of our graphics that we use, and I think it really does kind of capture what what we're trying to do with uh, Thrivestry. and then Gigi's other favorite graphic is the OODA loop. You know, I don't have another favorite. This is my real favorite. The other one is my second favorite. Oh, okay. Well, that's good to know. I'll, I'll put that in as a caption to the, to the uh, you know, on the graphic. Gigi's first favorite, Gigi's second favorite. <laughs> <laughs> it's not definitive though. I'm sure there's more graphics to come in season two, so that might change. That could change. Yeah, so, so the observe, orient, decide, act, um, you know, observe is where you look at the data, right? You, you, you analyze kind of you know what has been happening up to this point, and you're you know you're actually consciously um, analyzing things. Then you're going to orient. Okay, where do I need to go? What needs to happen um, relative to this data? What numbers need to change? What things need to change? Um, how how long of a journey am I signing up for? And then decide you know what are my options? And then decide is figure out what's the plan? What what's the actual things? What are the what are the actual points? that I need to do to do it, and then gotta do it. That's the act, right? So then you actually have to follow through. But of course, when you're doing that, you need to make sure that you're tracking um, how successful you are so that you have something to observe the next time you go around the loop, right? So the, the idea is this is a loop that is constantly, constantly going. And then our identity principles and actions where it's the bullseye with the identity in the middle, the principles outside of that, and then kind of all other decisions outside of that. And the real, the real summary of this one is you know, when it comes to um, making decisions or taking actions, if it's if if it's part of our identity, if it's something that that is really at our core, we don't even have to think. There's no there's no willpower required. We just do it, right? And and the and it, that has positives and negatives. You know, if if, if our identity is um, uh, it may be holding us back because because we're trying to fight those identity things, um, then it then it's almost impossible to create that sort of change. 
Um, and the next ring outside of that's principles. And this, these, you know, the identity lies within our principles, but sometimes we, we pre-decide things, which is a principle that we live by. It's a rule of thumb. You know, it's how we operate, you know, 80, 90% of the time when the situation comes up, we've already made a decision about that. Um, those are a little bit easier to change, but, um, but, but it's also, if we're making decisions based on principles, again, it doesn't take as much willpower. And then anything outside of those two things um, is, makes it, uh, you know, is, is harder, to, harder to decide or follow because it, it, it's not default, right? It doesn't, we don't just automatically decide. So then we have to actively think about things. And so, and so the more we can, we can uh, um, understand where identity and principles are, the easier it is to, to use that willpower for other, for other changes. I think that's the last one. Oh, and then there's the car, the car with the bumper stickers. <laughs> so the CrossFit license plate. <laughs> yeah, the CrossFit license plate. Yeah, so so that was kind of the the, the summary of some of the stuff. Again, go, you can go back and listen to those podcasts where we go into greater detail. Um, it was it was a quasi lightning round. It was it was sort of a. Um, uh, was, a lightning lightning round is not. I wouldn't call it a lightning round. Lightning rounds are supposed to be like on like jarringly fast so that you start to kind of like lose your mind a little bit when you're doing it and yeah. you know that i would say it was more of a <laughs> okay um but let's talk about before we go into season two and some of the changes and some of the preview stuff for season two let's talk about my journey of 15 years 15 years of crossfit and this is what it did to my body and and um which is kind of a clickbaity title that I, that I want to use for this article, but I think it's important that I, that I reach the most amount of people because I, I do want people to understand, you know, what they're signing up for, right? Or what they, what they have, if they've been doing CrossFit for a few months or a few years, kind of what, what sort of things they can look forward to. Um, now, my journey is a little bit unique because I was pretty fit when I started. I was competing in MMA and I had, you know, black belt and everything, but, but, uh, um, and I was doing a lot of body weight push-ups and air squats and things when I when I started. Um, but I started when I was 24, and I'll be 40 this year. So it's an interesting, you know, dissection of life when you you know you're still in your 20s. You're still, you know, uh, um, you you can recover quickly. You can you can uh, um, your body's a lot more resilient, I believe. And and uh, as you start to approach the the 40 year, that's when things are changing, right? And so I've definitely had to learn from that. Um, I will say that I was fortunate that I started CrossFit when I did because we didn't really know what we were doing. I'm, I'm talking about CrossFit, I'm talking about myself. You know, We didn't understand the long-term effects of some of these workouts, and it was a lot of experimentation about, you know, let's try this movement, let's do this workout and see what happens. And, and it, was, it was really effective, but, but, uh, um, but I also think there was, if I had started, if I had had Thrivestry when I started when I was 24, I'd be a, a totally different person now. I actually think I'd be more fit and more healthy than I am now if I had, you know, 15 years of Thrivestry versus, you know, the first, you know, the first five or six years was a lot more experimentation on myself and in people I was training to figure out what were the best, you know, the best methods. Um, um, and then, and, but, and then that's been re being refined over time, right? So, so the programming and, and the program design and the workout design has, has been adapting and improving over those years. And I think what we have now is really, a, really good. And I, I'm still tweaking and I'm still trying to make, you know, eke out a, you know, a 10th of a percent of benefit wherever I can, um, which is the benefit of being a full-time programmer versus, versus a running a gym and programming at the same time. But, uh, I will say this, that my, my first CrossFit workout in July of 2004 was Tabata squats. So that was 30 seconds of squ air squats, 10 seconds rest for eight rounds. That's four minutes then four minutes max muscle ups, then Tabata squats again. <laughs> and if you guys have ever done Tabata squats, you realize how sore it makes you and how, and how it causes so much um, damage to the muscles in the legs, right? We get those tears, which causes delayed onset muscle soreness. So doing two rounds of that, I probably did 400 squats in a, in a you know, 12 minute period. Um, and luckily I was already doing a lot of those. I was, I, I was doing the deck of cards. So I would do, you know, I'd flip a card over and if it was red, you do that number of push-ups. If it was black, I do that number of squats. And a couple of times we even did the deck two times in a row, which is like three or 400 squats and push-ups. And, and, uh, so I had, at least I had that. Um, I probably gave myself a mild form of rhabdomyolysis, which <laughs> I don't remember. This was the, there was no uh, education around that back then. Um, 
But uh, I know I couldn't, I had trouble walking and my legs were really, really sore for the next like four or five days. Like I was- That was a double code deck? The 400 squats? The double no, code. that was just doing Tabata squats twice in the same, the same workout. Like, like, and in my first round, my first, you know, they, the, the original Tabata squats, you would, you would only count your lowest round. So I think I started with like, um, you know, 18 or 20 per, per set. Cause again, I was really good at squats. And then by the end I was down to like 16. And then I don't remember on the second round, obviously I didn't get, I was probably even less, but, but still doing, doing 16 squats for eight sets and then doing that again for another eight was just stupid. So 16 sets of 16 or so. And and uh, uh, so that's probably my first. And, and what I tell people is, you know, I was doing MMA. So, you know, when you're learning, uh, uh, you know, especially jujitsu and things, you know, when someone shows you a hold or something that hurts and you're like, ah, oh, oh, that hurts. Oh, sh- show me that again. <laughs> Do that again. Because you, you kind of have this thing in your brain where it's like, well, that was uncomfortable for me or I couldn't get out of it. Oh, I need to learn that. And so I think that that really did attract me to CrossFit was I was like, I am destroyed. I had just had my first and at first amateur MMA fight and I, and I was in the fittest I had been in probably my entire life. And, um, I won my match and then I, I didn't start CrossFit before that cause I didn't want to affect my training and get hurt or something. And so right after that match, I came and, and did my first CrossFit workout and I was just, I was just destroyed. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I need to learn this. And, um, I will say that I was attracted to CrossFit because I, I, you know, had, you know, multiple black belts, uh, essentially and and, uh, but I didn't understand fitness and I wanted to get a black belt in fitness. And so I was, I really wanted to understand the conditioning side. And so that's what uh, attracted me to CrossFit. And I was sort of stalking it for, for, uh, for a month or so before I did it. And How did you find it? Like when, what was your first, like, oh, there was a God. message board forum called Bullshito, um, which, <laughs> and, and it's basically the, it was set up around martial artists kind of like, you know, talking about martial arts, but also just calling out all the bullshit in martial arts, right? There's so much, it's so much bullshit. And so um, somebody had a signature, you know, that they on all the bottom of their post that said like CrossFit, it's like cheating. Um, and and uh, so I was like, what is that? And so then, you know, I looked it up and they had their blog format where they post workouts, you know, at three days in a row, one day off. And I just sort of started watching it and watching video. They didn't have, actually they didn't have videos. This was before YouTube. Um, so they had, what they had was um, slideshows. And so, so I remember trying to learn how to do a hang power snatch by watching a slideshow you know, or a squat snatch where, where, you know, it's like, there's, you know, frame one, frame two, and then all of a sudden he's under the bar and it's like, yeah, I think you missed a step. <laughs> that doesn't, you know, trying to learn, it's like trying to learn from a book, right? Like, you know, it was in, and, and uh, so yeah, and it started on the patio of my apartment and doing it in the dojo. Um, everything was modified. I had, um, you know, the only bar I could get was this, like, you know, this, this narrow bar that had the screw on things on the side. Right. So it had a threaded where you where that was like the one one and a half inch diameter holes in the plates and you had to screw, screw it on. And there's metal plates and I would hang that that bar above my balcony off my neighbor's balcony off some chains. They never said anything, which was funny. But like my knuckles would hit the stucco wall and I could kind of do strict pull ups, kind of kipping pull ups. And yeah, it was it was a fun time. But so there was tons of modifications going on. And uh and that's really when, that was really my first sort of foray into programming was a lot of times they'd post things that I couldn't do. I didn't have the equipment or, or I couldn't do them myself because I wasn't uh, fit enough yet. I hadn't been training in this style enough yet. So there was a lot of modifications. And so that's when I started experimenting with different types of modification um, to make it work for me. And, and uh, um, you know, fast forward, uh, uh, my first kind of big injury that I had actually wasn't from CrossFit. It was actually, I was teaching a class, a kickboxing class, and I was demonstrating skipping knees, which is where you skip and you knee, you get more power if you do that. And, you know, alternating legs. And I felt and I heard a, a popping, tearing sound. And it was actually, and I felt it in my back. And so I kind of stopped and just had kept coaching the class or whatever and was like, oh, that's not right, you know. And again, remember, this is like, I'm like 24, 25 at this time. And uh, so I just sort of like nursed myself a little bit and kind of had like, wore like a back brace and, and uh, didn't see any doctors or anything. And, and over, you know, actually, no, I did eventually go because um, it was kind of like not going away after, after months. And um, it was really bad when I stood up and succeeded. Um, and uh, I went into a chiropractor and, you know, got electric stem and adjustments and, spent thousands of dollars and got nowhere. 
Um, and finally, I went to the, the first CrossFit running cert with uh, um, Brian McKenzie. And it was before it was open to the public. I got an invite because I was a coach that, that they wanted my opinion uh, to, to, to help make the course better before they put it out to everybody. And uh, there was a chiropractor there who was also a CrossFitter. And I explained to him the symptoms. And um, he said, oh, yeah, that's your psoas. And I was like, my what? What'd you call me? <laughs> I didn't know what a psoas was at the time. And and so a psoas muscle is a muscle that, that um, is it, it it's a two-part muscle, but essentially it's either we're going to raise your leg, so bringing your knee up, or it's one of the muscles that we do use when, when during trunk flexion, like sitting up. Um, and so it attaches from your, from your femur up to your spine. And so I had partially tore or at least sprained that psoas, which was pulling on my back, my spine. And uh, so I learned some stretches, and I, and, and I, but what I didn't do was, was more extensive prehab around activating. So it was really just more of the uh, um, the the uh, the stretching part, and so especially at the time I was still working as an engineer, so I was sitting down all day. I was doing martial arts and CrossFit, and then sitting all day. And so my back, you know, I slowly got it back to where it was healthy, and I just dealt with it. I just kind of had this like you know back pain, and as long as I stretched and everything else, it was fine. Um, um, and we'll come back to that 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 uh, in a moment. The next biggest injury I had was. Uh, was I was doing Olympic lifting seminar. So again, not doing CrossFit. I, I uh, um, after two days, you know, it was two two full days, and at the end of like Sunday, for example, we were trying to see where our snatch was, and I was and I was being stubborn, and I kept failing at like uh, um, you know two over two hundred pounds or something like that, like two hundred five or two fifteen, and um, the bar started to go behind me, and I tried to bring it forward, and there's a muscle called a subscapularis, which is one that um, attaches. And I'm behind your shoulder blade to the to your arm, and and uh, it, it I felt it pop, and then I and what was funny was where I really noticed it was when when I reached across to undo my seatbelt with my left arm to push the button, like that pushing down is one is that muscle, and it I couldn't do it, it hurt, you know, and so that that sidelined me for uh, for a little while. Um, um, so again, not necessarily doing CrossFit. The other thing I I remember being sidelined for a little while was um, I was doing a Turkish getup. And uh, I worked up to where I needed a barbell. So I was trying to do 135. And so I had the bar, you know, you have to hold it in the middle of the bar and you, you know, you start to stand up and you have your arm raised up way over your head. And uh, I did it fine with my right arm. And so I went to do it with my left and I kind of lost it a little bit and I came down. Well, my forearm is bigger than the diameter of a bumper plate. So you can imagine when I came down on my elbow, my elbow hit and the bar, the bumpers weren't touching. And so then it totally tweaked my wrist, bent my wrist backwards. And, and I just remember being really frustrated <laughs> with that because it's like when, you know, including like when I initially injured my back, again, lots of substitutions because when you have a back injury, it's like, what can you do? Same thing with a wrist injury. At least you can use your other arm and you can use your lower body. But, but um, when, my, when I hurt my back, I had to do a lot. I did a lot of grip training because I was like, what else can I do? Um, uh, now that was a quasi CrossFit injury. It was still just more of a stupid human trick. It wasn't actually doing a Metcon. Um, <laughs> um, and, and other than, other than a few torn hands and, um, that I will say, I will say this, this is a direct CrossFit injury that I did get, which was, um, I got blood poisoning. Um, uh, so, so I was doing the 30 muscle ups for time workout, which is a CrossFit classic that, uh, um, isn't really a workout. It's more of a test. Um, and it's obviously it's an advanced test because if you can't do muscle ups, then what's the point? And so, um, I was doing this 30 muscle ups for time workout and I, and I got a, if you're doing muscle ups with a false grip, that's where you hold the ring below the heel of your hand. And so, uh, I, I tore both my, my wrists got, got, um, you know, where I ripped the skin. And so I, but I kept going cause you know, yay fitness, right? <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know. I didn't know at the time. So I just kept going, you know, and didn't think much of it. But of course, you know, how often do you really, you know, clean those rings? Um, at the time, we weren't, I don't even think we we're ever really cleaning them, wiping them down or anything. And so um, I ended up, I remember this specifically because my wife was pregnant with our son at the time. And we had to go to one of our um, birthing classes, right? One of the parenting classes. And so I did that workout like that day or the day before. And I, you know, I had my, my wrists all, you know, bandaged up or whatever. And I went and I started feeling really off and I uh, started having a fever and, and uh, was, you know, had to sit through this class and had this fever. We went straight to the hospital and I had um, the streaking up the arm. So I had blood poisoning 
where of course if that reaches you know your your heart it can be really really dangerous um and that was again that was ego that was we didn't know it at the time you know if you rip your hands or something like that you, you try to keep going because i don't want to i don't want to stop my workout and you know just learning that lesson like what's the point like you're not winning any medals there's no money on the line you know, like why, why do people keep going when something hurt? I tweak my shoulder or I rip my hand. I'm going to, I got to keep going. And, um, and so, you know, learning, learning that was, was I think a really important lesson to, to then make sure that within the gym culture, we didn't promote that sort of activity or that behavior. Um, and then uh, uh, not really taking any other injuries. My shoulders are extremely uh, bulletproof, you know, like I, 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 I signed up for a challenge with other CrossFitters around the world where we wanted to do 50 consecutive kipping pull-ups and um, we had a deadline. And so I trained for that and I was doing, you know, I would do sets of 30 um, at, toward the end of this challenge where I would do it throughout the day. So I do it first thing in the morning, I do it at lunch, I do it after work, I do it before bed. And I'd rep out 20, 30, 35 pull-ups in a row kipping. Um, so I was doing 100, sometimes 100, 150 pull-ups a day, um, every day. And uh, my shoulders are fine. Right. And when the test came, I did 54 pull-ups in a row. And, uh, um, and I've, and I repeated that even years later, I did without really a lot of training, I could still get to 45, 50 pull-ups pretty consistently. Um, and my shoulders are fine. So, you know, there's, I didn't have any shoulder pathology before that, you know, I had really flexible shoulders from all the martial arts and, um, and I maintained my shoulder flexibility, um, throughout CrossFit. And so I never really had any, any shoulder issues other than that that subscapularis injury that I got from Olympic weightlifting. Um, you know, my elbows are fine. My knees are fine, you know, like, um, but this back injury kept kind of coming up, you know, it just kept coming up. And finally, um, I got an x-ray and uh, my L3 vertebrae over the last 15 years has migrated to the side. So it has shifted laterally um, a quarter of an inch and the disc is still intact. It's, it's uh, I don't have, doesn't, there's no evidence of a bulging disc or anything like that. But what happened was because my body was trying to protect that injury, I started moving differently and I started favoring one side and uh, um, that those muscles became tighter and tighter um, and, and my body would grab sooner. And so that pulled that vertebrae over to the side and that meant my other side, my left side had to uh, work a lot harder. Um, and so I had a, a, a definite muscle imbalance in my spinal rectors. You know, looking at my back, you'd see that my left side was, was more uh, large, larger and more developed. Um, and eventually, again, starting to approach, you know, my, my mid thirties and upper thirties, I got my, my back went out in a workout. It happened to have a toes to bar and box jumps and some snatches. I remember the workout specifically and I was and it started, it was fine. It kind of did something weird in the workout. No big deal. Um, I had some meetings and it was starting to lock up. And so I started doing these rehab things that I learned doing the functional movement screen the FMS test, um, where they had actually figured, diagnosed it a little bit. And so I kind of knew about it. And so I started doing these uh, rehab exercises thinking it would help calm it down or make it better. Well, if it's already, if, if I just injured it and made it angry, doing those exercises just made it worse, right? And so then like later that day, I could barely stand up, right? I, I had to lay down and I was sidelined for a few days. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Slowly worked back into my training. Three or four weeks later, it happened again. And then, and then again, and over a period of a year, my back quote went out probably four or five times. And this is back in like 2014, 15. And I was still training um, somewhat competitively. So still lifting some pretty big weights and keeping a moderate uh, training volume. Um, and then, and then, but I realized I couldn't do that anymore. And instead of, instead of, you know, doubling down on the rehab, I, I decided to just not train as much. Um, <laughs> so, which uh, uh, was a mistake. And, and I was really focusing on business stuff. And so my fitness was uh, wasn't a priority. And I've talked about this before, but I actually hate exercising. Um, that's why I'm so passionate about programming is because with the proper programming, you can work out as little as possible and still get the maximum amount of results. Right. And, and, uh, um, and so what I was able to do was maintain a pretty good level of fitness, um, without having to squat heavy or, or do these movements that made my back angry. And I was still able to maintain a, a pretty good level of body fat. I'm still able to do do all the fun things like, you know, snowboarding and wakeboarding and hiking and all the things I love um, outside of the gym, just training two or three days a week, right? And, uh, um, and, and working around this injury by scaling and modifying. So it's one benefit of being a, a programmer is I can always make up a workout, whether I'm in a hotel 
or, or in some limited space and all I have is a dumbbell. I can always make up a, a decent Metcon or do some, do some uh, basic movements no matter where I'm at, even with my limitation of my, of my back. And, uh, um, and then now here we are, you know, four or five years after that injury. And uh, I've actually just in the last uh, um, six months or so, finally, finally sat down and it's like, you know what, I'm going to do my rehab every day. I'm going to start training again. I'm going to start lifting and uh, I'm getting back. I'm getting back now. So I finally feel like after this long journey, that back injury, um, what I will say about all my injuries is what the benefit of CrossFit is, is you can keep training. You know, you can, you can work around things and there's no reason why you, you don't just stop living. If you sprain your ankle. Oh, that was another, that was another one was I broke my ankle um, at the Tough Mudder, which was a whole another long story. But uh, it was I ended up in a cam boot. It was plastic boots for 12 weeks. Um, and I still trained, right? And I, you know, I worked around it. And I was still able to maintain my fitness and even make gains during that 12 weeks. But, uh, um, but you know, and so that's, that's kind of the idea is that CrossFitters have this reputation for getting injured. But I also think that CrossFitters are just more active, right? When, when people start to get their fitness level to where they can do these fun adventures and go out and do things, they're going to go out and do skiing and snowboarding and, and all these, you know, play in the softball league. We had more, we had more people injured, um, are doing one season of recreational softball. We set up our own softball team, the Diablo CrossFit softball team. We had so many people, we had to have two teams in the same league. And, uh, you know, so there was like 40 people or something like that. But we had, I think we had six people get pretty badly injured. <laughs> and that was like more people that had been hurt than in the last like three years of owning a gym. Like more people got hurt doing softball than three years of CrossFit you know, one season of softball. And, and so, you know, you get this reputation for CrossFit being dangerous and it's like, yes, CrossFit's dangerous. If it's a poorly designed workout, if it's a poorly designed programming or day to day, you're not taking that stuff into account. If it's, if people aren't being coached, if, if people are, are doing, doing movements improperly, you know, and like, yes, that can be dangerous. But I think that the injury rates actually come from just CrossFitters go do more stuff. So they get, they don't actually get hurt doing CrossFit. They get hurt doing these other activities, which is just part of being active. Like if you're going to go out and do fun things, you're going to get tweaked every once in a while. Right. Um, and so, uh, so now I'm at this point where I, and, and this is speaks to thrive street. How do I create programming that again can give you the, for, for the least amount of effort, you can get the maximum amount of amount of return on investment, right? You get the maximum results. And I think that this is where most people are at. They're not looking to compete. They're not looking to, um, and it's okay if you do that, you can use this as a springboard to, to go into competitions. But I think most people are like, you know, again, how little can I exercise or how, how few times per week can I go to the gym and still see results? And that's kind of where I'm at with my fitness where, you know, I like walking around with a six pack and I like, I like looking fit and everything. Um, but I don't, I don't want to spend, you know, two hours a day, you know, four or five days a week to, to, to do that. So now, now I'm, I'm training, I usually try to work out um, three days a week uh, uh, where I do kind of lifting and or Metcon. And then once a week, I try to get outside, right? So I try to go for a hike, um, do a rock hike, or just go for a jog, um, try to do a lot of trail running when I can. Um, and then just, and then I just look for little areas where I can be, where I can use my body, where it's, whether it's taking the stairs or parking far away and all those little things and I, and I, and all that stuff adds up. And, and it's, uh, um, I'm pretty happy with where I'm at right now after 15 years um, you know, and what, what Gigi mentioned too was, was, um, I have friends that I did martial arts with, um, uh, 15 years ago when I started. And I have friends that I went to college with 15 years ago, you know, or 16 or 17 years ago. And, um, when you look at those people and you compare them to where I'm, I'm at, I am definitely the, the, like I, I, if I was, I would be a totally different person if I looked like them, right? A lot of them have put on 30, 40 pounds you know, they're, they're starting to really feel their age versus like me, you know, people, people are shocked to find out how old I am. And, and, uh, and I'm still, you know, able to do all these fun things. Um, uh, and I'm not, I don't feel like I have to like slow down, which I think is really important. Gigi hasn't said anything for like 10 minutes. And she's <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, Sanya, the odyssey of, of JJ's CrossFit adventure. Well, and, and, and I said, I do plan on doing some before and after photos, and I do want to um, talk about this in this article, so look forward to that, um, um, and hopefully you guys can learn a few things about, about uh, training, and, and, like, and I'll have some hardcore lessons to be in there, and, um, and there's one really big thing that, that I've learned um, that is 
important part of my training right now, but it's still in top secret phase and testing. And so I won't be announcing that until we have more data and I have more of a program that you guys can, can check out. So, so uh, um, if you see me posting things like, oh, I'm looking for volunteers for a special program, um, uh, and you're interested in kind of finding out what it is, definitely sign up for that because um, I'm still going to be doing some testing and everything. But I got I got to give it to my to my uh, special guys first, uh, <clears throat> so that they get the uh, the leg up. Ooh, <laughs> so exciting! I think I know what it is. So. Maybe I'm not as excited. Yeah, you know, you know what it is. We've talked about it. It is? Okay, yeah. Um, well, I think it is exciting. And it's based on like a whole new theory, I guess, right? So, but anyway, to wrap up like the 15 years of CrossFit, you kind of touched on it at the end there. But I always think that the most important thing is to think, if you didn't do this, where would you be right now? Right? Like, and it is, it's that difference of, you know, 24 to 40 is a lot of life changes happen, right? Like you buy your first house and you have kids and you, you know, life, life takes a toll on you. You're not in your prime earning years yet. So there's like financial stress oftentimes, right? And when you look at the people who are regularly exercising in something that's so effective of CrossFit with Thrive Street programming, the effects are just so different, you know, and you can live the life that you want to live as opposed to just reacting, which is kind of, you know, it all goes back to that OODA, OODA loop thing. Um, but yeah, and it's, I always think that the cool thing too is that you don't work out seven, eight hours every week, right? Like it doesn't take much if you're on the right program. Um, I mean, it is the rest of your life that you're talking about. It's not just, well, I need to get, I know so many people that are like, well, I need to get in shape for this wedding or I'm going on vacation and I want to be in good shape for the vacation. And, but it's like, no man, you got to be in shape just for you, for your life. Cause this is the only one you've got. Right. So good story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I said, I'll have more details, um, kind of going into the, going into that article that I've, that I've started writing, but, uh, um, uh, yeah. So, so let's talk about season two. So season. Oh, two. great. Um, so season, season one, like I said, has been more about sort of habits and sort of concepts around, around identity and also analyzing, um, articles of research we found online. And so, um, you know, we find an interesting article and, uh, we bring it up and kind of take it apart. You know, what I really, what I really liked about it was, um, cause I get these questions all the time from folks that are, that will they'll see some new study and there'll be some new, new fad that's going through the internet about nutrition or health or sleep or whatever. And, uh, and, and I like being able to take those, those, uh, studies apart a little bit, maybe, maybe theorize around what's, what, the, what's really going on or, or, um, or maybe what are the limitations, you know, maybe they did this study, but they had limitations on the number of people they did or things they didn't think about when they were doing their study. Um, so, so I think that does help kind of people understand that, that research is, is really just sort of a, a a signpost telling pointing in different directions and it doesn't that, that doesn't mean it's exactly the way things work right because every, everybody's their own personal experiment right and and so just following oh take this new thing it'll lose weight or you know what's like the the clickbaity like this one tip will to lose belly fat or <laughs> or whatever you know and so so it's it's uh, it's never really that simple but but it still gives us an idea where we can find these sort of underlying principles that we can put in our put in put on our, our list of principles that help us help us live a better life. Um, now, season two um, is going to have a lot more um, is going to have a lot more programming stuff. So, you know, one of the things that that uh, that I do in, in in every day is I create videos and programming stuff that's for subscribers, and so it's really for the coaches and the gym owners to help run their gyms better, to deliver a better class experience. Um, and I talk about some of the theory of why in those videos, um, but I want to explain more um, to where everybody can take advantage of that. So, so you know, if you guys have questions about the programming, I'm, I'm going to be fielding more questions um, in the next season where I'm going to take questions from you guys and say, you know, and, and you know, and we can, we can, uh, you know, we can talk about it for, you know, to go into detail about why it's set up this way. Because everything I do is very um, deliberate. Um, so, you know, there's very specific, whether it's, you know, the order of the movements in a workout or the scaling guide and how much time to, you know, why, 
why we use scaling options called health athletic performance versus advanced intermediate novice. You know, there's, there's details there that, that, uh, that I think are really important and that people can, if they understand it, I mean, I think they'll, they'll appreciate the programming more and maybe get, uh, get more out of it. So that's going to be one of the themes going into season two. Um, I do plan on having some special guests um, come in season two. And then, um, and then Gigi had an idea about season two as well. What was the idea you were? The Mythbusters <laughs> idea? Mythbusters? Yeah, yeah. So we want to we wanna take some of these prevailing wisdoms, these myths that we sort of accept about health and fitness and sort of bust the myth or, or confirm, confirm it. Um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about things like keto. We'll talk about, you know, cardio and strength training. And we'll talk about these things that, that I think there's still a lot of, a lot of um, regular gym people, but also CrossFit gym people sort of subscribe to. And um, we'll, we'll sort of break, break it down and say, okay, this is, this is what's really going on. So, so, you know, you can make smarter decisions about your training. Yeah, we've done a little bit of that in season one, but that wasn't like the specific focus. Like we did an article once that talked about the benefits of strength training before cardio, mm -hmm. uh, things like that. So we've kind of dabbled in this already, but I think it will be really cool to have a whole season dedicated to it because there's so, 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 so much out there. Um, and I know that it helps me when I talk to people who don't do what I do for exercise to be able to have a little bit more ammo to say like, yeah, I love that you run every day, but like, you know, weightlifting and the benefits and all this kind of stuff. Right. So, um, I'm really looking forward to that. I think it's cool. And do you remember that I remember as we were talking here, what the second idea was, and I don't think you're going to do it because it is too much work, but I wanted to make video game avatars <laughs> for all of our different, <laughs> remember that all of the different, uh, workout types out there. So you could see like, um, you know how like a, an avatar on a video game has different health points and different strength and defensive and offensive and video game or like role player games. Is that what you call them? Dice games, whatever. Um, my brother would kill me for not knowing what they're called. <laughs> role, role playing games. Yeah. Well, you have the characteristics, right? Yeah. So if you, you know, if you were to list the 10 physical skills that CrossFit has subscribed to, uh, I mean, Jim Crawley was the guy that first came up with it, but, but, um, you know, uh, strength, um, speed, flexibility, coordination, balance, agility, you know, like, you know, these 10, these 10 physical skills. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, you could have like a bar on a scale of one to 10, where do you, where do you lie, um, on each one of those things. And so you could basically, you could break that down and, and the level method guys have their version of that for CrossFit where, where they have, I think 16 different characteristics that they, that they track and they have specific tests and then you get, you get like a level. So you might be, you know, blue in this thing and a white in this thing and, whatever. And, but, but it would be basically not for, we, we would make this not for, uh, CrossFitters where we, there would be one that's kind of the thrivistry person, but then it would have like the yoga person, the running person, the, the bro, the bro lifting in the gym person, the, you know, you could create all these different like characters and they'd have different, um, different stats. And so we might, you know, we might go into that, go into that and break, break them down, um, and talk about the strengths, you know, the benefits and the, maybe the, 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 uh, disadvantages of, of, of sticking to that sort of training. You know, one of the things that I think is really common with CrossFitters is that they, that after doing CrossFit for a number of years, then they start going like, well, maybe I should do cycling. And then suddenly they play with cycling for a while. And then, but you have to be careful where if you go too far off into that realm, you, you forget about all the other benefits that you were getting by doing consistent CrossFit training. And so that's why you need to maintain, you know, these other skills. It's okay to specialize, but if you can keep just, you know, one toe in the water on these other, these other um, characteristics, it makes it a lot easier to come back and then go somewhere else, you know, versus kind of going off the rails and turning into a, a you know, extreme endurance person or just doing lifting and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. And, and I, obviously every workout regime has benefits because otherwise it would never catch on. Right. And there's, you know, I'm sure we'll touch on this, but every time you start something new, there's always like a three month window where you will always see results regardless of what you're doing so um but it's it's you know will you still have those consistent results after three months or 15 years um you know and not have any kind of wear and tear or repetitive strain injuries or anything like that so i'm excited for that i think that that'll be really really cool uh, and that's it are we done anything else this is the the, the season is over all right season one is done we're gonna take a, we're gonna take a, a a short break, so it'll be two or three weeks before our next podcast. And like I said, hope, uh, definitely tune in for that because there's gonna be some surprises 
um, uh, not just the new content, but also uh, um, some other some other interesting fun things that uh, that I'll get to announce um, once I get them confirmed. So, thanks again for 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 listening in, guys. Um, please like, share, subscribe, send all that stuff out to everybody. Um, you know, especially you know, save the ones that you, you that you keep repeating yourself. You know, with clients, sometimes you know, for you guys who are coaches um, or people who are the you're fit you're the fitness expert of all your friends. You know, if if you find a podcast that is really really that you can share with somebody else uh, coming from coming from someone else, that's something that sometimes it helps if they hear it from the horse's mouth. Um, maybe that can instead of hearing it from their buddy or their coach. Uh, um, sometimes it can have a bigger impact. So, so definitely keep sharing those, sharing those podcasts that you really enjoy and um, start sending me your questions. So, so again, if you have questions around the programming, around fitness, all that stuff, um, shoot them our way and then we'll, we'll tackle them in season two. Awesome. Thanks a lot, guys. Thrive on. Bye. Say bye, Gigi. Bye. bye. <laughs>